Elite Physique University, your source for all things physique enhancement. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Elite Physique University. I'm John Gorman, your host. We've got Jason Theobald, IFBB Pro in the house. Jason, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing well. I can't complain on this uh, Thursday evening. I'm in no, good spirits. Man. Yeah, no, I mean, you should be in good spirits. You're, little, uh, little, you're in a better mood than you were the last couple episodes <laughs> when you were <laughs> depleted, no doubt. depleted as hell eat and headed into the shot. Yeah, man. Trying to move a house and eat like 1,700 calories and put TVs on walls. No, nah, it was not fun. No, and if, and if you're listening now, if you're just tuning in, go back and listen to the last two episodes. It's episode 30 and 31. It's part one and two of Jason's prep for the IFBB Tampa Pro Show. Really good stuff. Kind of go be a fly on the wall and be able to see what his day and whole week was like. So that, that was fun. Um, before we get to our, our guest, Jason, is there anything new with you? How you doing after the show, man? You know, like any show, you know, you have that – that down period where you still just feel shitty and, you know, you can't kind of get your mojo, but I'm back. Everything feels really good. I've got macros up to like 300 protein, 450 carbs, now 70 fats. I feel really good. Seven meals. Everything's assimilating really well. And I'm lean and I'm up about 15 to 17 pounds, depending on the scale uh, I hop on. So everything's going good. I'm going to go ahead and try to grow here, which I haven't really done in two to three years and uh, see what 2021 looks like for me. You know, something interesting real quick, and I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but, you know, on your post, you kind of pointed something out that I thought was important the other day. You talked about healing the body, getting the body healed first before just trying to push like a motherfucker right yep. after your show was over. Right. Now, I know your, your prep was short, so your yep. healing period was probably short. Correct. correct. You're 100%. It only took me about 10 days to feel about normal again, but, you know, my prep was only three and a half weeks, so, you know. But yes, during that time, I was not training hard. I would go in and do what I wanted. Diet was on point for the most part. You know, I do like my sweets occasionally with the kids, but I'm always pretty much on point with nutrition. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I just, well then, you know, I think the listeners know I got a vasectomy like last Tuesday, so I haven't been training hard. So I, the whole time, I haven't really even kicked <laughs> it in yet, man. Like I haven't even really trained heavy yet. I'm doing all squeezing and like tempos. and So I'm excited once I can really start throwing some weight around. No, that's great, man. Well, we've got a special guest back on the show and someone that's not really, I mean, this is someone that's done all kinds of videos, podcasts with us, speaking events. We've got Cliff Wilson back on the show for this Ask Us Anything episode. Cliff, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good. I appreciate you guys letting me come back on here. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, it's a great time when we can all get together. What, um, uh, what do you yeah. have going on that's new with you? Um, well, uh, I guess the first big news is I, I, I got a, got a new house yesterday. Um, going to be probably moving in there in the next month or so. Um, it's, uh, I bought one that's kind of close to Lake Michigan. So between my, my daughter and my girlfriend, they both love the beach. So I was like, let's get something close, close for them so they can have their fun there at the beach. And that, that's up there by, that's up by the anytime that you used to run way back in the day, like 10 years ago, right? Yeah, it is pretty close there actually. I don't, uh, it's not owned by the same owner anymore, but it's pretty close to where I was. Yeah. All right, dude, I'm going to have to come up and visit you because every time I've come to stay at your house or visit, you've been down around that Merrillville area, the Valparaiso area. So I'll have to come up and check that out. So congrats, man. That's uh, that's great yeah, news. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I'd been at this house for a little while and I had known, I had known this wasn't going to be the house that I stayed in for a long time, especially with like my daughter growing up and stuff like that. That. so this house will be a lot better for for her 
Um, but you know, I guess the other thing that uh, the only other thing that I know that you guys start off the show sometimes with things that you learned. Um, you know, I've been right in that process of writing a book. I guess one thing that I thought I thought both of you would find um, pretty interesting was that. Um, so I was I was doing some research on like goal setting, recently. And John, you've heard me say like a million times before. Like I always tell people, don't tell people your goals too much. Oh, yeah. 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 For yeah. Sure. And so. So actually, um, I, I, as I was diving into the research, apparently there's like a little bit more of a caveat to that, which I wasn't aware of, is that um, apparently when you tell people your goals, it only hinders you if it's um, something that will eventually become part of your identity. So like if it's something really big, um, like a, as an example, if I was like, hey, I'm going to become a lawyer. Do you know what I mean? Um, because a lot of times people will be like, oh my God, that's awesome. And you get praise for the guy. You're, you're now the guy that's going to become a lawyer. Do you know what I mean? But, um, so it, it, that praise feels good, just good enough to make you uh, not as motivated to actually go for it because you're already the guy that's going to become a lawyer and people. No, I see what you're saying. That. So, yeah. So, um, generally those bigger things that are going to be like, come part of who you are, um, the research actually shows that you're more likely to complete them if you actually don't tell people what those are. Um, now it would be a different thing if you're in law school and you say like, Hey, you know, I really, I want to get an A on this test. Um, that's a little different because you're not going to be known as the guy that's going to get the A on the test. You know what I mean? Like, um, people don't congratulate you when you say, Hey, I want to get an A on this test. They're not like, Oh, way to go. They right. they wait till the test comes in and they right. know how to go. You know what I mean? So it's something like that. That's interesting, man. That's, uh, that's definitely interesting. I'm, uh, I've only got a couple real quick things here. Um, Jason, you and I only have two tickets left for the elite physique <laughs> university oh. seminar. It's on nine twelve and nine thirteen. Um, those will probably be sold out by the time most people hear this, but just in case, um, there's a link down in the show notes. You guys can check that out. It's in Springfield, Missouri. We've got six classes, two Q and A's. The super VIP tickets are all sold out. We're looking forward to that. Um, but that's going to be, it's a steal for 249 bucks. Like you're getting six classes. I know Jason charge and I charge, you know, anywhere between 250 to 500 bucks just for one online zoom class. So you guys are going to have a full weekend. We're going to have new ethics supplements. My fat muscle project line will be there as well. It's just going to be a great time. So if you want it, there's two tickets available, check out the show notes for that. And then something I wanted to point out was I'm starting to get lab results back from the hormone optimizer product that I came out with for fat muscle project. And I just posted, um, Jacob Klesson's results online. And, uh, Jason, I know you'll like this. Um, he was able to see his, his testicles. He's a natural guy. He did a lot of shows from 2016 to 19 and his levels, you know, after being off for two years were, were like 450 for a natural guy. And, um, he started taking this and, he, and we took his, his, his blood work the first day that he, that he took it right before he started and they finished a bottle. And on the last day he took his labs and they went up to almost 600. So it was almost up 150 points. So it got him, you know, pretty decent little boost. Um, so for a natural test boosting product, that's, that's pretty promising. Now I do have a lot of other clients that are taking it. They're getting their labs done. They're just not quite far enough in. I have a lot of people going four to six weeks. So, and it just came out a month ago. Um, but man, that's promising. Like that's the stuff that, you know, Jason, you and I have seen that piecemeal and Cliff, you probably have too. just take, taking the, all these products, ashwagandha and dim and, you know, deaspartic acid and all that stuff, having clients get it from time to time, I was able to put it in one product and, and I saw oh, yeah. what I'd 
what I started to see. So it's just, it's just a promising, promising thing. We always like to see our supplements work, right? Oh, 100%. That's definitely the, the, the be all end all. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't argue with, uh, and I had quite a few researchers, you know, comment on that. They say, Hey, this, this is what, this is what we like to see. And, and I agree. Like you can't argue with labs, uh, especially when nothing changed. So I would like to get that done in some research. I have reached reached out to um, some people in the scientific community. But one thing is, you know, whenever they research test boosters of any nature, you know, they show sometimes they work, sometimes they don't, but they're not controlling cortisol. And that, Jason, you know, that's the number one thing, man. Like they've people have got to control that. And in a study, if you don't if you don't measure that too, well, it's kind of really hard to tell what's going on. You know what I mean? One hundred percent. I agree with you. Cortisol's up, it's zapping. It's zapping your testosterone. Yeah, hundred percent. So, guys, we have some really, really good questions sent in from the listeners. We're going to go ahead and kick those off. But first, you know what time it is? I've got to crack. Yeah, we do. Because I'm going to stay up all night and fry my adrenals. So we actually, <laughs> we actually have a question about that. But first, the first one comes from Diana Gear, and this is a great question, guys, because we have all levels of, of of uh, listeners, you know, people here on the show that are coaches and trainers. And we have all, we, all of us have all different levels of clients here on the show. So Diana asks, what do you guys do about clients that don't know how to count macros? Or maybe there's someone that's less educated, they're less experienced as flexible dieters. So Cliff, you're the guest, man, we're going to let you go ahead and, and kick this one off. Oh, all right. So um, <clears throat> I would say I do uh, one of two things, depending on the situation. Uh, if they don't have experience counting macros uh, and we have plenty of time until their show, um, I will say like, Hey, I'll just let them know. Hey, I understand this is new to you. You know, you have to work with me here on, on putting in the effort to learn. Um, and I always tell them, I don't expect them to get it right away. So what I'll have them do is I'll say, why don't you put together a meal plan for me uh, that meets the macros that I'm giving you and then send it over to me and I'll take a look. Um, so that's kind of like, you know, their first intro into it. Um, then if I, but if I, I, then I'll just work with them in the next few weeks to make sure they are progressing and learning as they go. And if they have questions along the way, they can ask me. So if they're in the off season, I have time to, um, sort of grow with them and be patient. But if we are in a contest prep and, you know, we have 15 weeks or something until show day and we're just starting together, they've never done it before, but they're, you know, they can be ready for their show then I'll probably put together um, a meal plan for them. I'll say that they can substitute food, but since they've never done it before, I want them to run any substitutions by me in terms of amounts. Um, so that's generally how I'll run that is uh, depending on one of those two situations. Awesome. Jason, what about you, man? Um, you know, at this point in time, I don't really get too many people that, don't know how to track macros. And if I get them, I probably hand them to one of my coaches who deal more with um, rookies and general nutrition than me. Um, it's not really my strong point. If it's, you know, someone who's been in the game forever and they just won't track macros, then I build their diets, but I get paid more to do so. So that's kind of how I handle it at this point. I'm not really in the business of trying to tell you how to really delve into reading a label and doing all that. I, I have a couple coaches under me that kind of like doing that stuff and I'll hand them off to them. Right. And and you've got a site. Is that site um still place? It'll yeah, build I, it'll build a diet for anyone, you know, as long as they'll put a little effort into using it. But oh yeah, we still have it. We have a lot right. of 
teams that use it and, you know, outside competitors, et cetera. I'm going to link that in the show notes. If you're listening, yeah, that'd be great. Um, I'm going to link that. In the show yeah. yeah. Perfect. Um, you guys can go check that out. I, I do something that's kind of similar. Um, your site is definitely go check out Jason's first because you can build meal plans, you can build alternates. I've got clients that use it as well. Um, also if somebody needs something in a quick pinch, I've got a macro calculator. It's got a whole bunch of foods that are listed out. And it just tells you how much you need, how much you need to weigh out to get like 50 grams of carbs from potatoes, for example. So it's just kind of a quick link. I'll, I'll put that up. It's a, called the Team Gorman Macro Calculator. But if you actually want to build a diet and pick foods and stuff like that, feed for functions, pretty good. I know that right now I've got a registered dietitian that, that works for us. It's Jacob Klesens. And he's actually been writing the diet because in my state, and I know it's different where you guys are in my state, it's actually against the law. So I can't, I can't write foods out. And honestly, I, I hate doing it anyway, so I don't really want to, but Jacob Clessons will do it. And, you know, so I'll charge, I'm like you, Jason, I'll charge a little bit extra. I'll send him Jacob. He'll write the diets and write the foods and, you know, give some alternates and he makes some money that way, but he's an RD. So, I mean, and he's really, really good at what he does. So I, I do have people like that. Uh, but for the most part, it, you know, if you're a coach or a trainer and you're listening and you're just getting started, like we all had those clients right off the bat, there's nothing wrong with, with spending the extra time. I mean, you need to grow your business anyway. There's no wrong, nothing wrong with spending oh, sure. the extra time yeah. by writing out a, I'm saying this in quotes, quote unquote, a sample meal plan. And you have to say that it's a sample or you should say it's a sample. And, and kind of like what Cliff said, I like that Cliff. You're like, hey, you can use some substitutions, but, but run it by me. Let me know what you're thinking. And that really kind of teaches them how to do it. Because if not, I, I hate meal plans for one reason. If, if people just do meal plans, they never fucking learn. And then they're constantly coming to you when they want to do something different. And you're spending, you know, five times more, more time with that client than you should be. Yeah. And you know, some people act like they can't do it. I mean, just do just getting your hands in there and attempting you learn so much by doing it. And, you know, oftentimes I find that when people really don't want to do it, it's because they really don't want to learn. <laughs> I mean, so um, I, I, it's one of those things where I'll only, only do it in a pinch, but then I make it clear to them like it's, this is temporary. <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah, you know, this day and age, people can scan barcodes. They can do all this different shit. But I mean, back when I started, I just took pen to paper and I looked at nutrition labels. And if somebody really wants to do it, they're going to figure it's not that hard. You know, it's really not. So just having that communication is key. Do you guys have anything else you want to add for that, that answer? I don't think so on my end. No, I think I'm good. Okay, cool. Next question comes from Austin Lowe's. And this, Cliff, I'm glad we have you on here because all three of us, have peaking down pretty well. So this, this is a peaking question from Austin Lowe's when it comes to peak week, whether or not it's for a show or a photo shoot or a video shoot, what's your guys protocol when it comes to water intake? Do you guys like to load water at the beginning of the week and then slowly take it out little by little to be drier for the event on Saturday? I'm currently 8% body fat and still have three weeks to bring it in a little bit tighter for a photo shoot. So Here's the thing. We need to do a huge series on peak weeks, not just a podcast episode. We need to do a series of front loads and back loads and like yeah. all this different stuff. But this guy's getting ready for a photo shoot. So I figured let's go ahead and try and get Austin some help because he's still going to have a couple weeks by the time this drops. He's 8% body fat. He, I looked at him. He's pretty good. But just typically speaking, do you guys, let's talk about cutting water. Like, when do you cut water? Do you cut it at all? Cliff, we'll go ahead and throw that over to you first. Um, I do not cut it. 
Um, in general, I will set uh, maybe around 10 days out or so, I will set water at a consistently high level. Um, if I had to give a range, I would say women somewhere in the range of one to two gallons, men per day, men somewhere in the range of two to two and a half gallons. And I'll set it there and I'll mostly just leave it there. Um, the reason being that I want their bodies pretty um, efficient at eliminating ex excess water. Um, and, you know, if you guys, as everybody sees during prep, you know, if you're drinking a couple of gallons a day consistently, yeah, you're going to be peeing every few minutes, but your body's pretty efficient at eliminating any excess water. Um, what's going to make it stick is too much sodium or too many carbohydrates. So um, I kind of just set water consistently high, keep it all the way there. Um, and then uh, I will let the, the appropriate carbohydrates and sodium levels do their trick. I may reduce it a little bit on show day just so I don't have somebody peeing all the time or kind of feeling like they have a belly full of water. Um, but I still keep it pretty high on show day. Okay, cool. Cliff, or, uh, remember guys, this guy's getting ready for a shoot. So let's, let's kind of gear that towards the, the week leading up. Jason, this guy's getting ready for a shoot on a Saturday. What are you looking to do with water for him during the week? I generally, you know, have people have water high throughout the diet. So, I mean, we don't have to go a ton higher. Like, you know, if they're already a gallon and a half, like we might go to two, um, two and a half, maybe seven days out is when I do it is when I start. Um, and then I get pictures, um, of my people usually starting Sunday or Monday. And I just watch the looks that I like, like midday. Do I like them dry or do I like them fuller? And so when I give them their peak week, it usually has it tapered on Friday. So like, you know, if someone was doing two and a half gallons, they might get a gallon and a half. If someone's doing, you know, smaller, like a female doing a gallon and a half, they might get three quarters to a gallon or something on Friday. But the caveat is it depends how I like their looks as they're coming down peak week. So I get a lot of pictures. I usually discuss with them what I'm seeing. I'm liking you drier or I'm liking you at night fuller when you've had all your water. And so then if I like someone fuller, I don't really end up touching it. I say, you know how your peak week says we're going to taper it. I don't taper it. But if I like someone drier, um, then sometimes I go ahead and just stick with the taper and it seems to work out pretty well. So a lot of times on the peak, it'll be, it'll have it tapered, but based on photos and what looks we like, I, I kind of adjust it these days on, on that. So I, there's plenty of times where I leave water running all the way into the night, I, which I guess is what Cliff's saying he does too. Um, and there's really no taper to it. I just let the night time of them not drinking and sleeping, dry them out. Yeah. It kind of depends, you know, on the looks I'm seeing of the person. Yeah. I'm the same way. I, I leave water pretty consistent. Um, and, and something else that, man, I, I hate to go here because it's really like, we're going to spend all episode on this question, but you know, where someone carbs up that to me is the other place that dictates what I do with their water, like on a Thursday and Friday. Um, you know, if I carb someone up really, really hard and maybe I do spill them or maybe they ate more than they should have, and they didn't stop where they were supposed to. I just want to point out sometimes if you need to tighten up just a little bit, you can increase water a little bit extra, you know, an extra one or two liters a day can really help flush any water. If you happen to be holding any from something like a carb up or a mess up on your plan. Um, but normally I'm, I'm right there with you guys. I just leave water high all week, slightly increased. Um, let's talk about the, uh, let's talk about the day of the shoot. So for him, I want to know, well, how much water do I need to take in? To me, this is kind of the same thing as the day of the show. Um, 
Cliff, how do you dictate water the day of the show? Do you have it? Is there, is there something that you're looking at? Are you comparing it to the water they have during the week? Are you looking at pictures of them in the middle of the day and in the evening and the morning? What do you, what do you normally do to dictate water? I, I guess this would be um, <clears throat> probably a little bit like Jason said, where there's a little bit of individuality. Um, so some people, well, so I guess I'll say this also, um, earlier in my coaching career, I used to tell people like, just drink to thirst, like just sit to satisfy thirst. But I came to realize that like some people on the day of a shoot or the day of a show, ner- drinking water becomes like a nervous habit. And I've had it where like people put down like two gallons before prejudging. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, um, so now I'll Could usually. Hold my stomach in. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm like, well, how much water have you had? And they're like, I, I will, you know, they get nervous and they're just like drink, taking these drinks all day. So <laughs> yeah. um, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, usually in the range of six to 10 ounces with each meal for uh, women. And usually in the range of maybe eight to 15 ounces of water with each meal for men. And then I'll put in there, like, if you are actually thirsty between meals, you can drink. But don't like, you know, don't just keep going at it. Yeah. What about you, Jason? Um, I've found, you know, like myself, some people need up to a half a gallon before they get on stage or they're not going to fill out. And then there's other people that are just really gifted and, you know, look really good, like dry and just, you know, kind of almost sucked in a little bit. So again, I've had it all the way down to where I, I literally have someone only sip and I've had it to where I have someone get almost a half a gallon in before stage. Um, usually though, what I do just, I, I always send out a peak week cause people like to have something written down. Right. But I, 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 I diverge from it all the time. Usually it'll, if they're a woman, it'll say like six ounces, um, per meal. And if it's a man, maybe from eight to 10, but man, I, I really end up changing it a lot, just kind of based on what I saw and, and what I, and I think they're going to need by, uh, by like a noon stage time or 10 AM, whatever it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you guys. I normally have, you know, females might have close to half a gallon and it, that's, that's for like figure and women's physique and bodybuilding, like, you know, smaller individual, probably at least half a gallon by the time they get to stage in the morning, guys, usually somewhere around three quarters, maybe even a gallon if they're a little bit bigger, but it all was dictated based on how they looked. Um, as I looked at pictures of them leading up to the show, I like to look at pictures on Thursday morning and then Thursday evening, same thing with Friday, Friday morning, Friday evening, I see where they look their best. And then I just kind of, but I almost always just kind of fall back towards the same amounts and cliff. I'm kind of, kind of like you, I like to have, you know, usually anywhere from, you know, 10, 12, 13, 14 ounces with each, each meal. So three meals leading up to stage in the morning. And if they're thirsty, you know, I might have them do eight ounces of water in between Um, females, a little bit less than that. And it really just comes down to individuality. So I think the most, the best thing I'm trying to get out of this for Austin, because it's just so hard to answer this. And for our listeners is you really need to be looking at everything during the week. Would you guys agree with that to really kind of dial everything in? Are you asking Cliff or me first? Either one of you guys just trying to, that's the main feedback for our listeners here. Oh, so yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think looking how you're looking. And then the other last thing I guess I would say is um, I will sometimes do more water on show day. If uh, I have somebody wake up and I think they're a little flat and I, I want to push carbohydrates a little bit more earlier in the morning. So, you know, if I, if I have them taking some moderately large carb meals upon waking to try to get some last minute uh filling done 
then I may bump that up to like, you know, 20 ounces with this meal or 25 ounces with this meal or something like that. And go ahead and explain to people why you want to increase water with carbohydrates, because I think a lot of people, they're they're scared of that. You know, we go back to the old school uh, mentality of um, you just pound, pound, pound carbs, but don't take in water. So tell people why you increase water with the carbs, Cliff. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, I forget sometimes we've been preaching this so long that, you know, I, I remember, um, I'm sure you guys remember, you see these guys where like show morning, I would see them just pounding these giant bowls of like this Tupperware of pasta and stuff like that. And then telling, then also at the same time complaining, man, I, I'm so thirsty. Um, and then it's any wonder they get up there and they look, they look kind of squishy. Um, so uh, for those that don't know, um, carbohydrates cannot store inside of muscle tissue without water. Um, and if you keep trying to carb up, um, and you have more carbohydrates than you have water available, um, that glucose will kind of float in the interstitial spaces and, um, what water is available will sort of be drawn to it. Um, in the, in the, in the, it'll make you look kind of squishy. So, uh, whenever you're carving up, you want to make sure you have ample water to allow those carbohydrates to fully store inside the muscle tissue. Jason, do you have anything else that you want to add here, man? We're gonna we're gonna move on to another question that kind of yeah, ties I mean, into this. I I agree one hundred percent with you know what Cliff just said about water. So no, I don't think I need to touch on anything else here. Yeah, I just it, you know he asked about tapering it back, cutting back, and I know Jason, you and I like way way back in the day we used to do, we used to use protocols because yes. we both learned from the same guy like way back in the day, like yep. two thousand eight. You know, cut, you know, do a gallon of water Wednesday, three yep. quarters of a gallon on Thursday and like a quarter gallon Friday. And by the time Saturday rolls around, you're down to just sips and yeah. you would probably rather have sex with a glass of water than eat pizza. Like that's how bad yeah. you water. Yeah. Like. And I mean, if you're really gifted and round, that kind of dry out works. Sure. But like for me, no, I, I, I usually would get up to flat on Saturday, you know, I usually, I always look my best that Wednesday when the water was still in and I was hitting like a thousand carbs, you know, it, it, it can be really tricky when you're in, uh, new to this and trying to put these things together. Like you see, I said, I, I remember the first time I ever tried to like mock peak myself before my first show, I followed like one of those like flex magazine <laughs> protocols, you know? And it was, um, I mean, it was probably similar to what you guys had tried too before, like, mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're carving up and you cut your sodium and you cut your water. Yep, yep. And I remember I woke up that morning and I looked horrible mm-hmm. and I had a sore throat because I was so dehydrated, yeah. you know? And then, uh, and then I remember I was so disappointed because I'd also kind of gone through like a mock prep with it. And I just wasn't happy with the way I looked. And I remember uh, I was like, well, I'm going to go to McDonald's and I got like, I got like three McDonald's double cheeseburgers and I pounded a bunch of water. So then, you know, I got all that sodium yep. and all that water. And I looked incredible. And I remember at the time I like made a note in my journal. I'm like, there's something in McDonald's double cheeseburgers that makes you look amazing. You know, <laughs> carb, salt, sugar, and fat. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Um, it's something I, I do want to point out. Um, there are times, like you said, Jason, where when you really suck someone down, they look better. And I think that's why we see a lot of that stuff back in the old flex magazines, sure. muscular development, because can do it. Yeah, there's two, you know, 250 pound IFBB pros that when you're that fucking big and when everybody's doing the same thing, everybody's sucked down, but you're so big, that's the look. So I have. And they're naturally rounder. Well, right. have you guys, have you guys noticed, I've noticed, um, 
I feel like sometimes getting that sucked down um, looks better for enhanced competitors than natural competitors. Way certainly. better. Yeah. Certainly. Yep. Yeah, because they have that got, size. You got, the drug, you got a fake, you got a false pump with the drug. So you can definitely play yes. more with the water. You can use diazide, which I do sometimes. I mean, you can, you can go do a lot more things because um, you have the fake, the false pump. Now, good stuff there. Like I said, we need to do a whole Peak Week episode, a whole series on that, which I do have that down. Cliff, we'll, we'll probably bring you on for an episode or two of that. Um, good times. Let's let's move on to the next question. And Austin, don't Austin Lowe's from the last question. Don't go anywhere because this is kind of kind of help you as well. E. Ramey sent a couple good questions. Do you cut out intra workout carbs leading into a show? Go ahead, Cliff. Um. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I you know one thing I find very interesting is like sometimes people will ask me like where do I keep carbohydrates in over the course of um, a contest prep like. You know, I know some people will prescribe like, say, 25% of your carbs pre-training and then, you know, X, whatever percentage of carbs post-training. Um, I don't really do it in that manner because I think that the way carbs should be distributed when someone has 400 grams of carbohydrates versus 100 grams of carbohydrates, like the percentages should be different. Um, so when somebody has, like, let's say somebody has a high carbohydrate intake to start their diet. Um, say 400 grams per day. Um, when I start making cuts, I'm not touching the intro workout carbohydrates. Um, <clears throat> and I'm going to gauge how they are performing as well as how they're feeling. So as carbohydrates get lower and lower, I still try to keep the intro workout carbohydrates in because I feel they are important. Um, but if we're getting pretty low and I feel like we're running the risk where um, they're eating so few of their carbohydrates that it's almost a stressor to them, then I'm going to pull it once I get to around that point. Um, so, you know, if I start getting down someone down to maybe 150, 150 grams of carbohydrates or less, then I might start pulling from their workout carbs because um, I might pull those out just because I think that I don't want them cheating on their diet. I don't want them being stressed because they're not getting enough food calories, if that makes sense. No, it does. And, you know, just an entry, uh, an interesting side note, easy for me to say on that is, so I leave intra-workout carbs all the way in, all the way to the show. Um, I never pull it out because it's one of those things to where I use that during peak week because it's one of those things when I look at pictures and I have them do their same pump up protocol with the same intra-workout drink. But Cliff, back to your point, um, I've noticed even though I leave it in, I come to find out later that my clients, when they got low on carbs, they fucking pulled it out themselves and they, <laughs> yeah, they shoved it to intra or they, they shoved it to pre or post workout or just, they were just hitting their macros, um, which I'll just be honest. I mean, we don't have time to, to, to go into this and debate which is better and what's not. Um, but it drives me crazy because I'm a huge believer in leaving it in um, to help fuel training and recovery and stuff like that. But it, it's one of those things I did find out. I'm like, they just fucking did it anyway. So maybe, maybe that's something I need to do is start talking to my clients a little bit more be like, Hey, are you keeping this in or not? Um, Jason, over to you. What do you do with intro? Do you ever pull it leading into a show? And I think Eric or E Ramey is asking this because I, I think people are afraid that intra workout carbs are going to make them watery or, or not look as good, but you kind of showed that's just, that's not the case with your last prep. Yeah. So Basically, I almost put it in 
everyone's plan. But here's the deal for me. Anyways, if I have someone who's behind, it's probably one of the first things I pull, um, for me. Um, I just feel like I can get them, you know, get them a good pre-workout an hour, hour or two before, let insulin come down and, and hopefully burn a little more fat during, during training. So if someone's behind, it gets pulled for me a lot of times. Um, but if someone's on time, they give us plenty of time. I'm like you, I don't really like to pull it because recovery is better. Um, they're going to be less sore, but yeah, if you're behind, it's one of the things I bring out. So I, I don't know if that answers it fully, but that's when I would pull it. Gotcha. What about during peak week? If everything is on, on point, um, is there, no, any- if every, I mean, if, if they're on time and everything's good, I leave it. I mean, I, I leave it in as part of their, part of their diet and part of their training. And then I would pull it, you know, Friday or Thursday, whenever I have them rested. Um, but no, I would leave it. I would leave their plan the same as their training through peak week. Okay. And because I know I'm going to get a lot of people email me or message me and ask me, Guys, go ahead and, and tell me what's your preferred intra-workout carb source of choice. Cliff, what's the one What's the one or two that you prefer you recommend to your clients? Um, I tell my clients I like the highly branched cyclic dextrin intra-workout, it, but if, kind of, if cost is kind of an issue because you know, that's a little more on the pricey side for a, for a carbohydrate, then I'll just tell them to go with something like a dextrose or something along those lines, um, which is obviously very, very cheap. Yeah. What about you, Jason? Honestly, uh, for me personally, it's Gatorade. Um, it tastes fucking amazing. It digests awesome. Uh, I'm ready to drink it. I like drinking it. Um, for my clients, I tell them they can do Carbolin, Gatorade, or uh, Cyclic Dextrins. Um, but, you know, I've tested them all. And honestly, for me, Gatorade works the best. And we did, a, we did an episode on everything insulin yesterday on TEC. And we had Phil Viz on, and he was talking about how his theory is, is that, you know, the better that your intra tastes and the better that you want it, you're going to salivate more for it and you're going to digest it better. That's his theory. And I'm, you know, the Gatorade tastes the best to me. So, um, you know, he might have something to that, but it definitely digests best for me. The other two would leave me a little gassy the rest of the day, at least, you know, for a meal or two Gatorade, nothing. My digestion's awesome. So personally I go with that. I, but I give my client the three options. Yeah, I, I'm real big on dextrose just because it's cheap. Um, it absorbs easily. I mean, it basically bypasses most of digestion anyway. I mean, it's starting to absorb into the bloodstream as soon as you put it in your mouth. So um, dextrose is glucose for a lot of people that don't know. So I've always been pretty big on that. Um, the dextrins I'm, I'm a fan of, I personally feel better on those because they release just a tad bit slower where dextrose can release pretty damn fast. Um, but I have never felt bloat on the dextrins, but you talk about price guys, you're not kidding. Um, I'm actually working on a blend of an intra workout product right now. And I'm, I'm experimenting with the price on dextrins blended with some other stuff, dextrose and, and some other things. And I'm telling you the price difference is fucking huge. So from, from my standpoint, trying to build something, the, the price is up there, but my main takeaway to people is use something that doesn't cause you to feel bloated and gassy. And, and I know I've tried things like potato starch. I've tried waxy maize, like all that other stuff back in the day. And it did nothing, but make me walk around and have to suck my gut in while I was training. And that's yeah. not, that's not what you want because you want, you want blood and all that stuff shunted away from your digestive system when you're training, not well, trying to help break that down. Go ahead, Cliff. One, one more comment about the different types of carbs and kind of tying it together with what we were talking about on like show day or with 
uh, photo shoot. One thing I found, um, have you guys ever noticed that some of the cl some clients that tend to be a little bit more carb sensitive, if you give them those, um, if you give them something like dextrose or Gatorade, they tend to um, almost look a little uh, watery or blurry when they when they have it shortly after they have it. Um, it it's but I found that um, in those cases, so so a lot of times right before stage, I like to give my clients something like a dextrose or, or a Gatorade, like Jason said, because um, it's also really easy to pick up at like a gas station near the show or something. Um, but some people tend to look a little uh, a little less crisp after they do something like that. I found in those cases, um, if we do the highly branched cyclic dextrin, which will generally um, release cause less insulin release they tend to get the similar effects, but without that little bit of uh, blurriness that comes sometimes. So um, that's something else I've, I've noted over the course of time. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have clients using it. I have them basically do Gatorade, just kind of like Jason, Jason said, and they're, you know, half of that's dextrose, the other half is sucrose, which breaks down half of sucrose breaks into dextrose. So it's like three quarters dextrose. So I haven't really, I haven't really played with it much, but that's, that's interesting. It's just, it's, it's cool that, you know, we're, we all react so different. Our clients react so different just to so try and pay close attention. To all that stuff is, is pretty neat. Um, the next question from E-Ramius is kind of tied back to back. What are some good ways to learn how to prep clients better for peak week? Um, e either one of you can go ahead and take that one. Jason, I'll let you go first on that one. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I guess she's saying, you know, she, as, as a coach or as someone who's guiding other people, um, well, I mean, I practiced on myself a lot, honestly, before I ever took a client. Um, and then I just picked the brains of other coaches and we used to talk a lot about peak week and how, you know, aldosterone works and, you know, if your sodium's too low and just all these different things, um, that you have to learn, um, there's not like a resource that I really know. I know at the, at the um, seminar John and I are putting on for the elite physique um, podcast here, I'm doing a, you know, uh, a presentation on peak week. So you get to learn from someone uh, that's touched thousands of athletes. But other than that, I don't really know a book that's been written on it. Um, you know, learning more about the body and the processes um, that would help. Um, what does sodium do to the body? How do, how do carbs, you know, truly get absorbed? All those different things, insulin sensitivity, um, dehydration, um, all those different things that you can learn and, and it's right at your fingertips on the internet would really help as well. But I can tell you this, if, you, if you're guiding someone and you don't know a lot, keep it simple. Keep the water about the same, keep their sodium about the same and just manipulate the carbs. Find out if they need to load a little early or a little late and then just do it. And, and as long as they're in shape, you're going to be just fine. Cliff, what do you got? Yeah, um, I, I agree with everything Jason said. I, I think there's kind of two aspects to this, and this applies to peak week, not just, uh, uh, or all of prep, not just peak week. I think that there's like two types of learning. There's the experience type of learning, which is, I, I would say, is more of a cause and effect. You, of course, the best person to test things on is yourself because you could be your ultimate guinea pig. Um, but, you know, over time, you start to get this like, I do this and that happens. I do that and this happens. And so you start to get this cause and effect type of um, knowledge. Um, but that's sort of like incomplete without understanding why that is happening. And so um, I, I, you know, not to give some sort of 
you know, not to give a shameless plug, but you know, I do cover that quite a bit in my own book um, in terms of like why certain things are happening and what are the important players in, in a peak week. Give the title, um, give the title. Oh. That's great. That's great. I'm going to put that in the show notes, guys. Go okay. ahead and check out Cliff's book. Right. Just click on the show notes. Now I've got a link right here to it. Um, you guys can check that out. It's, it's bodybuilding. It's, it's a great book. I've read it myself yeah, and referred it out to a lot of people. So yeah, Cliff, it's, it's, that's a great resource. Yep. Complete contest preparation handbook. And um, so, yeah, yeah. I pulled my hand away when you said that. Um, so, so um, yeah, I think that it will, uh, you know, that'll get, you know, you can get a start there. And like Jason said, um, you know, one thing and not to go on like too big of a tangent here, but I, I sometimes lament where the, um, the, the coaching industry is at a little bit because, you know, I know like all three of us are kind of old school type coaches that really love to learn. And, um, it seems like nowadays, a lot of the questions I get asked more are about like how to build your following and how to get your name out there. And I really don't get as many questions about like the nuts and bolts of, um, the hows and whys like to build, improve your craft. Um, so what I usually recommend to people is honestly listen to what everybody has to say on the subject. Um, you know, like, like you guys said, you, you guys are putting on your own, uh, you guys are putting on your seminar and, you know, investing in, you know, tickets to seminars and books. And, um, John, how much did you and I learn? We didn't, you know, and then another thing too, you know, John, you and I, in the early days of our coaching careers, um, how much did we learn just having discussions? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, was talking I mean, I, I, I mean, we, we, that wasn't even, a, and, and we didn't even have to invest in that. We didn't even have to buy a book or a seminar ticket. I did, you know, we would reach out to each other and we were still competitive with each other, but you could tell we would have like good faith conversations. Hey, you know what I've seen work sometimes is this and Oh yeah, I've tried that before. And I think sometimes just having discussions with other coaches you respect, I mean, you can learn a hell of a lot. <laughs> And that's, yep. that's where I think, and, and we're not trying to just plug all of our shit, guys, but it really comes down to we've created this huge network of, of books and podcasts and stuff like that. But it, think about this. If you go to something like the Physique Summit or, or to our Elite Physique University Seminar or whatever, or Jason's PEC conference or any of that stuff, that's where you go meet other people that want to learn yep. like you want to yep. learn. So that's build your the network. Number. You build it's, your network. Exactly. Because, uh, I mean, go ahead, Cliff. Oh, well, I mean, perfect example. Actually, so I was actually writing my new book. I was writing my new book now, and uh, I don't need to get into exactly what I was, I was learning about something about um, uh, in functioning being behaviorally influenced. And I was kind of talking about it. And uh, you know, you guys both know Peter, Dr. Peter Fitchin, and I was talking to him, and you know, he was like, "Oh yeah, I've got this great study for it," and he shot that over to me. And I would have never, I probably would have never found this very obscure study um, had Pete Fitchin not you know, thrown in my way. He's a great coach himself. And so sometimes just talk to, talk to other respectable coaches about what you've tried and what you've got going on. You can help them. And then in return, they end up helping you. Cliff, I can remember, and you know, Jason, you and I are this way as well, but the, you know, Cliff, you and I were very competitive back in the day, but I would come visit you or we would both be at shows with clients and we would train in between the show and we'd work out three fucking hours and we trained hard, but guess what? Guess what we were talking about, guys? Like, if you could be a fly on the wall during that, we're talking about all kinds of shit. We're talking about intra-workout protocols and, like, all this stuff, right? And we're, we're getting each other's take on it, but then we're, you know, people just don't want to learn. I, one more resource. I did a, 
it's, it's a peaking series. It's literally the most simple peaking series for people to start with. It's called Bulletproof Peaking. It's on my Team Gorman YouTube page. Um, you guys can just look that up. It literally shows people how to watch the high carb days that you're doing with your clients leading up to the show. Take their pictures the day after, two days after, figure out where they look their best, and you literally replicate that. You have them do their normal training day diet the day of the show, their normal water. It's literally kind of like a, a peaking for dummies. And I hate to say that because I don't want to make anyone sound like they're a dummy, but it's it's kind of like you said, Jason, keep it fucking simple. And that's what that series is. So if you guys want to check that out, um, let's go ahead and move on here. Let's keep it moving or we're going to be an hour and a half, two hours into this thing. Um, Neil Williams sent this question in. Um, I'm going to try keto in a few weeks. My main concern is how to reverse or transition out of keto back to a normal diet when I want to. Can you please provide some information on that? And uh, guys, I'll go ahead and kick that one off. Um, I get a shit ton of keto questions. We, we all do. But, you know, it, depending on how long someone is keto, we still need to do an in-depth keto um, podcast on this show. Uh, we did one on the, the Excellence Cartel, and it was good. But we need to we need to kind of take it and, and do a part two over here. But yeah. part of transitioning out, well, it really depends on how long you're keto. Because if if you're just doing a keto diet for four weeks and doing a reset or something like that, you can transition really fast back to carbs, and it's it's not going to really bother you at all. But I've noticed the people that are fat adapted for a really really long period of time, four, five, six months or longer, you just you're not carb adapted you're not used to burning carbohydrates so if you reintroduce them too fast like if you go from no carbs to 250 a day it's just going to cause some stomach upset you're going to cause, cause you to feel bloated it's not that carbs are bad or anything like that it really is kind of dictated on how long you've been fat adapted so what i like to recommend to people is you know start with with putting uh pre and post-workout carbs in instead of fats you know maybe if you're a guy you might have 50 carbs pre 50 post and you leave your other meals the same and that's just a great way to kind of get your body back used to having some carbs and maybe have a free meal once a week and that's just a general recommendation um jason i'll throw it over to you what's what do you have anything different that you recommend no honestly i was gonna say you know i, I do the same thing i i usually bring uh carbs back in pre and post you know it's gonna depend on the size of the person i mean if it's a man i might do 40 pre 40 post and you know knock some of the fats back down to maybe five grams or something um, and just start there and see how they do. And then you can add intro and then you can go to meal one. And, you know, it's, it's really not that complicated. I've never really had a ton of people like feel horrific or blow up as long as they're not a dumbass and eat like a dumbass. Like, you know, you put some cars pre and post, you keep training, you keep eating right. And I mean, it's really not that big of a deal to the people that I've done it with over the years. So. Yeah. Cliff, you have anything to add to that? Any transitioning? thoughts yeah i mean just a small thing i i would say i agree with you guys like 100 percent uh i think the the only mistake is if you like add carbohydrates in in such a small amount that you then have someone sort of like fluctuating in and out of keto then they're gonna feel awful right um you know i think that would be the biggest mistake i would look out for but like you said as long as they haven't been on too long i think you can go right back but and then just make sure you're ready for whatever water weight gain comes from it because of the, the glycogen storage, you know, inside the muscle tissue. Um, Cause you know, I, I don't know if you guys have this where you switch someone off of keto and then their weight jumps up like two or three pounds, you know, because they're, they're just holding more glycogen and they're like, 
oh my god i'm getting fat immediately from the carbohydrates i'm like whoa slow down you're you're fine <laughs> you know right yeah no it's 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 pretty common especially women seem to let that bother them a little bit more than guys do um i think guys they they like it they like to be filled back out um women see the scale and that's just that's just the truth right don't don't shoot the messenger here that's just kind of the truth um <laughs> You know, one thing I will do in that situation too is as soon as I'm done with somebody that's on keto, I'm going to jump their protein up up a little bit too, to help offset that. So that's that's one thing. And then, like you said, Cliff, get their get their carbs up enough so they're not floating in and out. I wouldn't just go with one meal like pre you know forty carbs. That's probably going to float them in and out, and they'll feel like shit. So those are, I think so. Yeah, those are all really good points. Um, let's go on. He's he's got one more question here. This is Neil Williams. Um, okay. I've trained fasted first thing in the morning. I'm just wondering what's the quickest, best way to trigger muscle protein synthesis without having something solid to eat. That way I can get into a solid, uh, to an anabolic or an optimal state. So he trains at 6, a, 6 a.m. or he wakes up at 6 a.m. He's going to train around 6.30 a.m. Um, to 7 a.m. What do you guys recommend? Cliff, we'll go ahead and let you start off with that. Because as we know, training fasted is not ideal. I mean, this is bodybuilding. We're trying to build You're not going to be optimal is exactly what comes to my mind. Right. So, Cliff, what, what would you recommend? Yeah, I mean, I, I think something simple is even like a, a, a whey protein shake. Um, you know, at the, at the very least, a whey protein shake. And then if you want to add something carbohydrate to that, um, depending on what type of diet you're on like if you don't have the carbohydrates to spare then don't go with them but um you know you could do a whey protein with some fast digesting liquid carbs or whey protein and i know john you've done like pop tarts before or something like uh i'll do like even have somebody eat like a granola bar or some cereal something that's not going to sit very heavy um but you know that's going to be pretty pretty basic and pretty modern and better than fasted in my opinion yeah what about you jason I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to figure out a meal that they can have, like, um, maybe like a, like a clip was saying like a isolate shake and then like a banana or something, you know I mean? You can yeah. get that down so quick. I, I, I hate fasted training. Like if you're just going in there like the weekend warrior or, you know, you don't really care if you build muscle, you just want to like maintain, then I mean, fine, go in dehydrated, go in with no carbs. Like I, I, that's fine. But like, if you really are trying to be optimal and build and, and a banana in a way is still not optimal, but at least it's getting something in the body, some food. If they're just like, F you, I'm not doing it. Then I'm going to give them a big carb meal the night before um, they go to bed so that they have some glycogen in them so that the muscle can at least respond um, and, and get some sort of pump going to the muscle. Yeah. And I know some, some people that's, that's the only time they have to train, like, you know, people that are super busy and, and we well, I mean, get come that. On. You can get a shake and a banana down in five minutes. No, no, sure. Sure. But the Maybe point, the, <laughs> right. right. I mean, come on, man. The, the, the point, the point I was going to get ready to make though was, you know, oh, some people, yeah, no, it's okay, man. <laughs> <laughs> Jason's back on prep. He's fucking going after him. So no, um, it, what I was going to say is, I just don't believe that training first thing in the morning is optimal period. Um, you can't, like you said, Jason, you can't get as hydrated. You can't get as much food and water in you and salt and all that stuff. And if you try and pound it early, you're going to have your stomach's going to be heavy. So if at all possible, I try and always recommend to people at least give yourself an hour, hour and a half 
to where you can at least get fluids in and, and food and all that stuff. But, and then I like, that's where I like to throw in the intra workout protocol. Mm-hmm. As soon as they get to the gym, you know, aminos and, and citrulline and all this different stuff and carbs during, because at least that's going to help give you what you're not having enough time to get leading up to the gym. So I'm just not a big fan of it personally, but also for my athletes. I mean, I set people up that want to do it. I mean, if that's what they can do, but I just believe if you took two people like cliff, if we took you first thing in the morning with the exact same macros, and then maybe at three o'clock in the afternoon after three or four meals and food and water and salt and all that in you, I would love to measure that exact same person in each scenario for a whole year and, and see who gained the most muscle. I, I, I know that's not feasible, but to me, it makes sense. Training is going to be better. Self-swelling is going to be better. Strength is going to be better. Um, it, to me, it just doesn't compare. So I just, I just, I'm just not a big fan of it. I'll, I'll get off my soapbox here, but um, I mean, I'm not saying even no, I, I think, I, I think even a lot of people hurt themselves more. Like they seem to have like little chronic injuries popping up more when they do oh, yep. training more often. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They, they, I think they're it's not as hydrated. hydrated. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Neil, we don't, we're not trying to jump on you here. We're trying to answer your question. But, uh, <laughs> Sorry, we got I'm jumping on you, Neil. We're like, we're you like, can eat some damn Neil, food. Stop, stop training that early, Neil. <laughs> eat some food, man. <laughs> okay. Next question comes from Shalala Morell. She actually trains at my gym and that's really her name. Super cool name, Shalala. Um, she wants to know what's the best way to reset my adrenals. I drink a lot of caffeine. So I'm going to sip on my monster while you guys answer that. Um, who wants to go first? I, I think that Jason is probably the better person to ask in this one. Um, I'll, I'll give some of my tips um, to reset your adrenals. Uh, I'm assuming you're talking about that you're in some sort of adrenal fatigue where you're really tired because you talked about how much caffeine. So you first got to understand that what's happened is you probably went through a, you know, a period of flight or fight um, with that much caffeine, cortisol was pumping out really hard. And then what happens is um, the gland kind of craps out on you and, and doesn't pump out and respond. So then you're, you're always tired. So you're running low cortisol um, line. Um, so you've, you've got to get more rest. You've got to get more sleep. You've got to pull back in the gym, maybe to three or four days a week, 70% effort for a bit. Get off the caffeine, like you said. And then I would recommend two products to you. Our MetaPure. Uh, one to two scoops a day, uh, New Ethics, and our Adrena Health. Two, uh, let's see, let's do two tabs in the morning and then two tabs about 2 p.m. And if you do those things, and, and you're going to get a headache from, from detoxing off the caffeine. Some people say do a cup or kind of wean it. I say just go cold turkey, uh, be strong about it, and, and get your adrenals back. Um, but if you use that protocol there, I, I think within three to four weeks, maybe even two weeks, you're going you're gonna to be feeling a lot better. Cliff, you know, you brought something up. Um, I remember, I can't remember where we were. We were talking about cutting back caffeine at one point. Maybe it was when we were on the old TNT podcast somewhere, but you had mentioned something, how your caffeine was really, really high for a few days. So you were monitoring your intake, maybe six, seven, eight hundred 800 milligrams. And what you did is you cut back for a few days and you kind of, you kind of had a rolling count of where you were. Is that something that you keep an eye on? Um, and recommend to people, uh, or, and how do you recommend that people kind of help restore their adrenals and cut back on caffeine? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's a combination. If you've gone too far already, you've gone too far. And then I think like you just need, you're, you're going to have to take some time off. 
Uh, I guess I'll address that in a second here. But with a lot of my clients, one thing that I recommend is if you're somebody that's more of a higher caffeine intake type person, I think that you need to almost have a, uh, it's like you have schedules for your training and your diet and your, you know, a lot of things. I, I usually will re recommend people have a caffeine schedule for themselves based around their weekly schedule. Um, so maybe during the week have days where you schedule the higher caffeine intake days and have days where you schedule low to no caffeine intake days. So you don't get yourself in this situation. You know what I mean? So, um, I, I do have that, or I did have that for myself when I was, uh, you know, so I would, I would put like, uh, you know, I, on my harder days I would have, or my busier work days and harder training days, I would have higher caffeine intake and then I would roll it back and I would actually have two days per week where I would have no caffeine, but I wouldn't usually have the caffeine uh, withdrawals because I had kind of built it up and then built it back down over the course of the week. Um, but, um, if you've gone to, I do think just, um, you know, uh, cutting, cutting, like, I don't agree with, I agree with Jason, cutting off the caffeine cold turkey and just getting it over with. Um, and then, um, trying to get some extra sleep. Uh, um, I think that like bodybuilders have this issue where they always like want to be like, for some reason, feeling not up feels unproductive to them. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I think sometimes just like letting yourself be tired is not the worst thing in the world. No, I, I agree with you guys. Let me let me just give a common scenario that I know happens with myself. And I mean, I fucking know better. I do this for a living. I'm sitting here drinking a monster <laughs> while we do this. It's 630 at night, central time. But I know there's a lot of people listening, shaking their head yes as I say this. A lot of us, we like drinks that have caffeine in them because we like the actual drink. It just happens to have caffeine. So like, Cliff, you and I have been known to pound sugar-free monsters before, you know what I mean? Just because we like the taste. And I know a lot, there's a lot of people that love coffee and yeah, they could drink decaf, but they're so used to caffeine. It gets to the point to where you have to keep taking more to feel better. And let me tell you guys what happened to me. You know, I came out with this, this hard to kill pre-workout is the name of it. It's only got 250 megs of caffeine. And what happened was, is I was already taking in about 400 milligrams of caffeine a day spread out and I started to get tired. So what I do, I started taking my own fucking pre-workout because I was just so tired. I needed that boost at the gym. Well, as we all know, sitting here on the podcast, what happened next? Sure. I felt great for about three or four days doing that. Mm -hmm. But then what happened? Then my, I started to shut down and I started to feel worse. I actually got to the point where I was having headaches because my caffeine was too high so what, what did I have to do? I, I had no choice but to cut back. But a lot of people won't do that. They'll keep, I know so many people taking in over a thousand migs of caffeine a day and they're not feeling better. They actually feel worse. So the right answer is to cut back in some form or fashion. Now, my vagina does not like to hurt, so I'm not going to do what Jason said and just cut it out completely. But what I found works for me is I'll replace my sugar-free monsters with some Diet Mountain Dew. That's 40 megs of caffeine per can, and that cuts things back significantly. And I feel better within a day or two of just doing that. Um, is it the best way? No, but like I said, I, I don't like my vagina to hurt, so that's the approach that I take. But Jason's Adrenal Restore product is definitely right there at the top of the list. Um, big fan of that. So it worked great. I used it post-show for about seven days and I was right back feeling good. And, and a lot of people, a lot of people mistake taking that product um, or others. There's others out there. That to me is the best one. Um, 
they don't cut back though. They think, well, I'm just going to take that and it's going to help freshen everything back up, but they don't cut back. They don't relieve stress. They don't do a lot of things they need to do. And that's really not going to help. Like you need to no, kind of have a whole system. Is while they're on the product, they feel good. But then when they get off the product, they still don't feel because they didn't do any of the underlying work. Right. Yeah. I mean, of course they feel good because it helps give them a little bit of a break, but because they're oh, yeah. so spiking used to feeling spiking the cortisol for them, but, they, but, they, but their body, they, they didn't let it heal either. You know what I mean? So really taking the adrenal health is kind of letting you get the energy that you need to kind of do the healing and do some of the work, but you, you really just kind of got to chill too, to let the body kind of pull back. Yeah. Okay. Last question from Matt Betzold. Um, I like this one because I'm, I really love little niche supplements. I mean, we can talk about all the, the, the regular ones and that's fine, but we'll talk about some pretty cool ones. What are some of the best supplements for off season muscle growth? I think, you know, Jason, we both own supplement companies. Cliff, you've been around for a long time, very heavily involved in the supplement industry. So this is a good one for us to answer. I think a lot of people take um, their supplement game serious when it comes time to prep, but I know a lot of people in the off season that slack and they really, they don't take the, the basic stuff like creatine, like creatine is something, I'm sorry, if you're a bodybuilder and you're not taking it, you're making a huge, huge mistake. Um, so, I mean, we've got all these, these basic ones uh, who wants to start this off. What are some cool supplements you guys like to recommend for muscle growth in the off season? Um, well, you know, I guess first. Yeah, I'll start off because I think you guys are going to have more, more on this one than myself. But you, I, I'm going to start off and just say, like, I am always shocked at how people neglect the basic ones, even in the off season. Like, I'll talk to some people and they're like, "Well, I've been taking creatine in four months." I'm like, <laughs> "Well, I'm like, yeah. why? Why? Like, it's it's so cheap. You know what I mean? It's works. so cheap to take. It's it works. Like, why are you not taking this? Um, and and it's one of the few. Like, it's a supplement also that's been proven to be like healthy for you." Yes. Um, you know, I, I think, brain, brain, yeah, it, the brain, you know, like it's like a lot of the research shows it helps like fight off dementia, yep. And, um, yep. Alzheimer's and these, you know, cognitive decline. 100%. So, um, I, I feel like some people still have that, like, like when creatine was like out in like the eighties and nineties yeah. and whatnot, like they like they were had worries that it was bad for them. Yep. So they start like take time off of it. And I'm like, no, I'm like, this is a great supplement. So I, I guess I'll start with just like that. Um, I also think that there's a big, um, neglect by bodybuilders for health. So I do like like greens products and things like that. Um, I think that uh, a lot of bodybuilders um, they neglect vegetables like crazy. They will they will eat um, they will eat their measured chicken breast and their sweet potatoes and they're like I'm so healthy and I'm like well you're healthier than most but you're like not getting any vegetables ever. You know what I mean? So um, I would recommend still eating vegetables, but I do think like like certain greens powders would be very helpful for a lot of people in the off season. Um, but then other than that, I like to see like essential amino acids during training. Um, I think that's helpful. And whether or not you want to consider it a supplement, I do think like higher, uh, like faster, uh, like intra workout carbohydrates are important. Um, so I would put those in like the basics category that I would definitely want to see people hitting at first at the very least during their off season. Okay. I'll, I'll just throw a couple out real quick, Jason, then turn it over to you. Um, because I, I know you've got some cool stuff to talk about, uh, especially with your line. Um, well, there's a reason fat muscle, my company carries your greens and that's kind of what cliff hit on Jason's yep. Jason's, yep. um, you know, espresso greens, especially, 
gut health is a huge thing. So if you have healthy, if you have a healthy gut, you have better nutrient absorption. You get more out of the food that you take in, which is going to translate to better, better gains in the long haul. So there's a reason why we carry his greens. I, I don't make my own. I carry his because to me, they're the best. They're the best tasting. They have fruits and greens in them. I, mean, I can go on and on. Um, but there's a reason I have that in there. And then finally, you know, just, I know we've said creatine three or four times. I don't care to throw it out there now. I was going to try and kind of keep it quiet, but I'm actually headed out of town tomorrow with Jason and Jacob, Jason Wells and Jacob, and we're actually going on a road trip to go pick up all the new stuff for my launch coming up in September. And one of the products I have is a creatine monohydrate, very, very pure powder that I'm going to be able to get out to people. And it's one I tested for months to make sure it was good. And I had that because I had a lot of clients during peak week this year. I said, Hey, don't take your creatine out. Don't take salt out. Don't do this. And they said, well, I haven't been taking creatine. I'm like, what? I'm like, I, I had that in your plan the whole time. Why would you not take creatine? And it's just one of those things. Like a lot of people, if I have it, whenever I send it to them, they can just buy it for me. It's cheap. Um, and I thought, you know what? I need to start carrying creatine. So those are, those are really the kind of the two. And then I hate this because it sounds like we're turning into plugging our products, but fuck it. That's why we started these companies is to help people get results. So, and then the hormone optimizer, I talked about at the beginning of the show, you know, a natural test booster, you know, combined with cortisol reduction, that's something that I know is going to be huge. It's, it's huge for my guy, Jacob, that just got his test back. I've got clients that are in the lower ranges of test levels, natural athletes that it's going to boost them up, you know, hundred, 200 points. And you know, that stuff, Cliff, you've said it back in the day, and a lot of the times whenever you presented, an extra 1% or 2% from supplements is huge for a bodybuilder because everyone's looking for that little extra 1% or 2%. So um, those are those are my kind of my recommendations. Jason, what do you have, man? Well, you know, it kind of comes down to like kind of taking care of the underlying issues first before I add some of the other like funky ones I can tell you about. So like my point is this, like say someone has 50 bucks to spend. Well, if they have high cortisol levels over 20 on their labs, I'm going to address that before if, if all they have, I might address that before their creatine budget. Right. Um, because for me, that's going to be more of a problem. So I'm always looking at labs. And, and, and so I, I address the underlying health first. And I encourage everyone to kind of do that. Um, and then, you know, I, you know, you've got we have our cordies that would help that we have our relax that would help sleep. Um, so, you know, it kind of depends on some of those underlying issues. I have thyroid boost, which I take year round to keep, you know, my thyroid optimal. So once those underlying or, uh, you know, systems of the body are maximized, then I go to the next level. And so then um, I think injectable L-carnitine, which can be taken by natural or enhanced, is an amazing supplement. Um, increases NO2, increases insulin sensitivity. You're literally burning fat as energy all day. Um, I attribute it to why I just, I just don't really get fat anymore. I still eat ice cream with my kids. I still have cheat meals. Um, I, I just, it's like you're burning fat constantly all day and your energy's better. So anyone can do that. Um, it's not banned, but yes, you do have to inject it. Um, 600 milligrams a day um, works amazing. Um, I'll have just like natural women sometimes use it and their fat loss is so much fucking easier. It's, it's awesome. Jason, I'm going to jump in just for a second. Tell everybody where to get that through. You, you guys get that using Mino Asylum. Um, they're actually uh, a sponsor on our podcast, uh, the TEC. And um, you can use TEC. 15 
and you'll get 15% off. And their product there, if you want to use it, is called Carna Shred. So you go into the aminos and go to Carna Shred, and that's what I'm talking about. The reason why I, yeah, the reason why I wanted you to talk about that here is because every time we mention it on the show, I get people yeah. to email me the same stuff. So that's where you get it. Jason told you 600 migs a day, which is three cc's. Like you guys have to figure out how to go do this stuff. I'm not just going to go look it up and link it for you every single time. Yeah. Um, and they can start at 200 milligrams. Like they're still going to get benefit. I'm just telling you where you get like, it's hard to get fat benefit. Um, or at least it'll help you burn more fat than you're able to. But for right. me, it's really allowed me to stay really lean. Um, and then there's a product called Abolic um, by Dante Trudell's company. I can use it for all my bikini girls. There's no side effects, um, no period issues. I've used it a lot myself and I love it. Um, pumps are better. You'll get a little leaner. Um, and that's at the lab, the lab supplements.com is what his company is. And it's called Abolic. It's really cool. Um, you know, and then obviously we can get real funky. We can get into SARMs and all those different things, but I don't know how much time we have and you know, where we want to go with this, but, um, you know, take care of the underlying health issues first and then add the supplements. Cause I'm telling you, once I started caring more about my digestion, my sleep, how much, you know, how much deep sleep I got out of my sleep, I became a much better bodybuilder. Um, and then everything else I did at the second or third level worked so much better. So you, you've got a new product jumpstart. I'm yeah. really, really interested and having someone combine that with my hormone optimizer. I'm really, oh, really interested. Yeah, we have yeah. some labs done. Yeah, our Jumpstart product John's talking about is built around a product called Humanifort, which is really, um, you know, it's had university testing where it helps bring the HPA back to homeostasis. So we're talking testosterone, we're talking, you know, estradiol, um, all, all the hormones. Um, it's really a nice optimizer. And then we've got other things in there to maximize libido um, and just really restart the HPA or, or maximize it. So yeah, John's then saying, you know, you put it in with some diasporic acid and all the extra goodies that he has in his, it might be a damn good stack. And I think you're probably right. I'm going to have to write that on my whiteboard because it may be something that I end up carrying on my site and we sell it as a combo or something. Combo. That'd be, that'd be yeah, cool. that'd be sweet. I got do my, think got so. my wheels turning. So, okay guys, these were great questions. Definitely. Um, Cliff, man, we definitely want to have you back on. We're going to have that peaking series that I kind of alluded to where we're going to do multiple, multiple episodes, um, you know, where we'll have different people on. We'll, we'll talk about front loading. We'll talk about loading in the middle of the week. We'll talk about back loading. We'll talk about rapid back loading. Um, we'll talk about day of the show. We'll talk about all that different stuff. And Cliff, you're always, always welcome back, man. Is there uh, any parting words that you have for anybody, Cliff, before we have you on next time? No, no, I, I just really appreciate you guys always having me on. The discussions are always, um, I, I enjoy it. And I, I always find I at least learn something as well while we're all on together. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, good times. I, I know, Cliff, you and I, after this, we're going to talk about the Physique Summit. And I know a lot of people are wondering, when is the Physique Summit? And as we all know, COVID has been a crazy bitch for everybody this year. So Cliff and I are trying to figure this out. We have it tentatively set for February in Tampa. And we've, we've, we've mentioned this before, but you know, that would be the normal game plan if it wasn't for COVID we don't know what's going to happen. So we're not opening up tickets. We're not, we have all of our speakers set, but we're not really announcing anything yet. So you guys just stay tuned when it's time. Cliff and I will announce, of course, Jason's going to be part of the, the summit. Once again, he's basically been part of every single one. 
Um, we've got some really good speakers lined up, but stay tuned for that. We just we just can't give you an answer because no one really can at this point, uh, especially in Florida. So, um, Jason, you have anything else, man? Any closing thoughts for uh, any of the people that sent in questions or anything? No, I think they were good questions. And I mean, obviously keep, keep throwing them our way and keep questioning things and learning. But no, yeah. I think we, I think we hit on everything like really pretty fully to be honest. So. Yeah. Okay guys, stay tuned. We've got more guests next, next time we're going to have Bill Campbell researcher at USF. That's going to be a blast. We've got Chris Gronkowski, the owner of ice shaker, uh, one of the Gronkowski brothers. He's going to be on to talk about, his company and being on Shark Tank and his training and being an entrepreneur. So it's kind of a business edition. That'll be a lot of fun. And we've got other people lined up down the road. So more guests coming this way. So for myself, our guests today, Cliff and Jason, we're out of here. Thanks guys. See ya.